Welcome to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast, the show where we discuss what it takes to create a sustainable long-term online business in today's fast-moving environment. We talk with industry experts and freelancers alike to find out what it takes to build and manage a location-independent business. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. Thank you for joining us. Uh, today's guest is Iva from Remote How. Iva, welcome to the show. Hey, it's uh, great to be here. Iva came onto my radar a little while ago where they were doing a promotion around work one month from Bali at our cost. And it was and what I would consider a very successful marketing campaign. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what it is that you do over at uh, Remote How? So uh, I can introduce myself as a remote work advocate, and uh, that uh, that is our our mission as as Remote How to advocate for remote work and to help both individuals and companies go remote. We are running several initiatives that are uh, accelerating the growth of distributed workforce uh, worldwide. So we are the makers of the first worldwide um, academy on remote work that we put together with remote companies like Dewey's, Buffer, Envision, um, and, and um, like all the amazing experts from, from remote work are with us and helping um, the market grow. We are the makers of the Remote Future Summit, uh, the largest virtual conference on remote work. Two editions brought over 8,000 people virtually, so there was no uh, offline location, which is also great for the for the environment. Um, amazing speakers, HubSpot, Automatic, Angelis, Microsoft. So again, top notch experts. Um, this is our education piece of the of the business. Um, we are also uh, helping people and, and companies get matched for full-time remote jobs. We are actually about to launch um, a platform in, in October that will help get this dream uh, remote job for, for job seekers as well as for companies get easy access to, to the talent pool, pre-vetted and remote-ready talent from, from all over the world. Um, so to, uh, to keep it short, our goal is to, is to grow um, and help facilitating this, this, this growth of, of the distributed workforce. It's extremely exciting. Um, we are also living this lifestyle. So our team is um, fully distributed on three different continents. Uh, so it's, a, it's an exciting mission um, that, um, that we are on. And I'm uh, really curious well, what the future will bring yeah it's it's become it's becoming more accepted in a lot of ways i'm a remote worker i work for a canadian company called shopify plus who i mean most people at this point who are online would have heard of shopify as an e-commerce <laughs> so, uh, e software service but you know shopify is another company that's huge a huge advocate for remote work and remote workers and while they do have offices um in certain countries around the world, they also have a large distributed remote workforce. So I guess I, I, it's close to my heart, the fact that, you know, you can do this. And I'm also extremely passionate about this and, and feel that, you know, there are pros and cons to working remote, but I mean, largely pros, <laughs> to be perfectly honest with oh, you, yes. versus, you know, <laughs> it, it just comes down to, yeah, I mean, your ability to be self-motivated, how you set up your team structure and your communications. And this is where I, w I found it very interesting, like you're saying, you have a kind of remote work academy. So is that what this is for somebody who maybe works in an office and were considering I would like to do a remote job, but like, what would that even look like? Is that what this sort of stuff will be? Yes 
and no. <laughs> so um, this is one of the cases where people are coming to us um, to, to actually get these um, soft skills, get these right behaviors um, that are necessary in the, in the remote space. Um, but just recently, we, we launched a new program for managers um, certified in distributed management. And when we were doing beta tests uh, with some of the companies that are fully remote since years and really experienced remote work, workers, um, we, we've heard multiple times feedback like, whoa, like 40% of the stuff that you guys taught me here was like completely new to me, although I'm setting up remote teams since a couple of years, right? Um, so, so it's both. And the reason why um, people that are in, in theory know already everything find a lot of value in, in learning about a about the best practices on remote work is that it was learning by doing um, in the in the past, right? So it was something new, and then you were figuring this out, right? Right now, you have um, quite some companies that are successful that grew their workforce that is fully distributed. Um, just to give two examples, um, GitLab and Automatic, both of these companies raised just this week um, in total $500 million um, at valuations of two and three billion dollars, which clearly shows that this is a way to go and more and more companies will convert into this model. I'm not saying that every company should be remote only, but at least remote friendly. So coming back to, to Remote Hub Academy, um, when we started late 2017 and we started like basically an initial market research and start talking with HR people, C-levels. Hey, do you think that we can meet expectations of the, um, of the workforce that needs more flexibility, freedom, um, that there is this whole culture shift around um, around um, experience over possession with the business challenges that you basically cannot find people because there is, a, there is a talent shortage? And the answer was like, yeah, maybe, but we don't know. We are afraid. So so clearly the mindset was not there regarding the, the, the change. And then it started to shift a bit, but then they came across a, a challenge how they should do it, right? And they were looking, oh, there are these companies that are operating this, this way since a couple of years, how they're doing this, how our employees are working, etc. So we basically brought together absolutely top-notch experts and said like, if you want to help this model of work grow, let's come together as um, as like a movement that will help educate the market and show that the best practices and also that, that you can achieve not only a business um, success, but people can be more satisfied, etc., etc. Yeah, so this is um, this is our our mission to empower individuals and and companies to go remote, but not to make mistakes. It's not that easy, and there were companies that just did it and and failed. So, so we want to learn from from these mistakes and help to um, to achieve it in the least painful way. Of course. So, what what do you think, based on the conversations you've had and the experience that you have, what seem to be the most common um, mistakes that companies made, and maybe pitfalls, or or even uh, you know misguided beliefs that they have around remote work? Just from my own experience working in, you know, uh, 
were freelancing in house for certain people. They think that when you're at home, they, mm-hmm. you're just doing nothing, or that you're, you know, you're you're on the dos. I mean, that's probably one of the biggest things that I've noticed. When in fact, yeah, you end up being more productive because there's none of the politics of the office. There's no bull. There's no travel. You know, in a lot of ways, you can just sit there, crack on, get your stuff done, and get on with your day. You know, so exactly spot on. And this is one of the main uh, challenges. It's called trust. Um, So it's not only related to remote work, but in general to the culture that is within the company or or within the team. Do you trust your team, your coworkers, if you don't see them, if if, if they are actually working, right? doesn't matter if they are in the office hidden somewhere and, and watching Netflix or if they are at home uh, that where you still don't see them and they can do anything, right? So it all boils down to trust and transparency. One of the biggest challenges, and this is also the feedback that we get from, from people joining, uh, joining our program, is to how to set up the work that, it, that you're building the trust through transparency on on various aspects, uh, starting from planning your work, planning your goals, milestones, um, having clear communication that is transparent to everyone, and the list goes on and on. But the common um, the common denominator is: it, do we trust each other? Is what we do transparent? And those are the things that are extremely important. Talking about the culture and the, the, the aspect of transparency, I think it's really cool if um, folks that are listening to us will look up a Buffer. They are one of the first movers and like a role model when it comes to transparency. All their salaries are fully transparent. They have a salary calculator. You can uh, look up online their PNL, everything. On, on the other side, there is a GitLab where all their internal communication is fully um, transparent. You can go to their confluence and look up everything. So those are the kind of edge case scenarios, um, but that shows you what is the direction where where you should go to start building the, the right processes, the right behaviors, mindset within the team, um, also to hire right people, because I'm not saying that everyone is, uh, is born to be a remote worker or a manager. There is managing the distributed team. Um, some folks um, have certain predispositions that it's easier for them to, to transition. For some of them, it's, it's, a, it's a longer learning curve, uh, but definitely it's, it's, it's worth trying. But again, don't do it yourself. Learn, learn from others to, 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 to increase your chances of, uh, of success. I agree with you there. You know, I mean, Buffer is definitely a very edge case scenario in terms of how transparent they are. I don't think I'd be as on board with being as transparent as them. But, you know, looking at when you're talking about things like culture within the company, um, you know, definitely. I mean, working at Shopify, they take things like that very seriously. And, you know, how things are communicated, planning your work, all these things are hugely important, as well as the communication tools that you use. I mean, lots of businesses who work remote seem to rely heavily on Slack as being one of the main communication channels. Not saying it's the only one, but it's definitely up there with a popular option, you know, because you can have different channels for different things. And and actually, if I can add something to that, um, we are not using Slack. One of our uh, philosophies that we um, actually learned from um, Doist is an asynchronous communication. 
um, really thinking about communication that impacts your uh, work-life balance, or I call it work-life blend. Um, so we are actually using a tool called, called Twist um, that is designed more for asynchronous uh, flow. And, and this is also one of the, one of the aspects of um, communicating in a, in a distributed in environment that not only everything should be written down and crystal, um, but also we need to keep in mind that, yes, remote work has a lot of advantages, but uh, there are also potential uh, disadvantages that you need to try to avoid, like, for example, burnout and mixing your private life um, with, with your professional life. And one of the ways how you can um, try to over, overcome it or even like prevent this from, um, from happening is to, um, is to separate. I still haven't figured out <laughs> how to separate my private life from work life, so maybe I should not be speaking about it, but like in, in theory, um, um, tools that, um, and actually in, in practice for people that figured it out, tools that you're using for communication and ways how you communicate. Um, so what are your uh, what are your policies um, around it? Um, really impacts your uh, your life. So to give you an example, we spent the first six months of this year in Asia. Um, so we're like two months in Vietnam, one month in Cambodia, one month in Thailand, a bit of time in, in Hong Kong, while part of our team was in Europe, but part of our team was in the US. Collaborating with people where there is like 15 hours difference uh, is very challenging and basically impossible if you, um, if you have only a synchronous flow, right? So even if you don't have this edge case scenario uh, around time zones, asynchronous communication really helps um, to be more efficient and not to be distracted and, uh, and positively impacts um, the, the workflow simply. So I strongly recommend on learning a bit more about that. Um, it, 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 it helps um, my team at, at Remote How. Oh, so it sounds interesting. And, and speaking of teams, you know, when it comes to hiring and scaling your teams, you know, what were some, uh, you know, how did you go about it? And what were maybe some growing pains that you had originally when you started around uh, and, and had to look to hire? So actually, not only out of our pains, but also out of pains of our partners and clients, we uh, will be launching uh, a new product. <laughs> so we kind of felt this this pain ourselves. So when we when we got our um, first uh, fundraising, our our pre-seed um, round last year, and we started to to scale the team, we felt what companies hiring remotely um, feel. So on one side, you're entering a global talent pool. Um, uh, but on the other side, you're swamped with um, applications that are just not a good fit for you. And actually, you don't really know who is the perfect hire for you uh, when it comes to um, a, a remote worker. And then this is a first layer. Um, so having the access to, to the pre-vetted talent when we were talking about full-time workers, not a freelancers, was something that we um, experienced ourselves. Uh, it was a challenge. And then our partners had the same. And then the other topic, um, that is right now becoming um, really a thing if you look for international uh, hires. So coming back to, to the challenges, definitely on the company side, in theory, it's easy to get tons of applications, but then it starts to um, be very time consuming. And also 
hard to say who is the right fit, also based on the culture that you have internally. Spoken with multiple HR people at remote companies, and they see this culture fit as one of the main um, main challenges. Culture fit, and also that the aspect if a person is ready to work remotely. Um, and then on the other side, from the from the talent side, there is a, such a huge need to uh, to find remote work all over the world that there are like hundreds of thousands of people applying um that it's hard to hard to stand out <laughs> um so it's so in, in- i agree just on that i i personally you know even when i came to apply in a shopify i replied with videos yeah. and that's very smart hard. you know like i literally i literally just shot videos uh reply reply into the hr i i just shot a quick video to reply and then embedded it in the email and they said it to me they're like that stood out above everybody else you know that i was willing to to do that and like you're saying just doing something to stick out because it's getting more competitive you know like it, it is getting more competitive to land remote jobs yes it's brilliant more companies are embracing it but more people want it as well so at the end of the day, it becomes sales at that point. Like you have to sell yourself as the right person for that job. Yes. Yes. In a competitive marketplace. Yeah. <laughs> so. Congrats. Congrats to you. Yeah. No, but what, what do you feel? So, you know, based on the experience and working with these companies, like what has been, you know, some of the things that maybe made people stand out in their applications? You know, is it things like that? Like doing, you know, you'll often see something like, oh, send us one minute video of why we should hire you versus somebody else. Is it doing little things like that that helps them filter through, you know, these applications quickly? If, if you can, if you can re- repeat the, uh, the question one more time, because something was uh, bringing up. Yeah, sorry, it cut off there a minute ago as well, so we had to come into a a, a separate room. But anyway, don't worry, this will all be edited out anyway by the by the person. So no, what would be your tips for somebody who is applying for a remote job? What is one of the main ways you've seen people able to break through the noise and get to you know get uh, you know to the top of the HR person's pile? It's a very tricky question. Uh, to be to be honest, um, I think that. The common thing in general is to, as you mentioned, to, to stand out and, and do something exceptional and don't follow the same path as you were applying for, uh, for a, let's say nine to five office, office job. And it can be either a, a video. It can be a direct outreach, um, to some people at the company, not maybe even, um, HR, but just to, um, chat. Um, how does the company look like from an inside what's the culture to basically start learning more it's it's kind of it, it, it might remind you of um, of a sales process where you first need to better understand your your prospect and then based on this information you are crafting your um your outreach strategy right i'm a hundred percent on board I, uh, the episode with niall doherty I think it was episode 22, part one. I did two parts with Niall and he recommended reading a book called The Ultimate Sales Machine. And it is, I'm, I'm, I've been reading it. It's unbelievably good. And it talks about this. It's about who's your ideal? Who's your dream 100? Who are your dream companies you want to work for? Make a list, add their employees, send them a message, like get on their radar, cold call them, cold email them, like do, you, you know, in a respectful way. But you know what I mean? Like it's it's like there are ways that you can do it and, and it'll often take multiple touch points before they're like, 
oh, okay, this person, like, you know, let's give this person a go or let's at least talk to them. Uh, you know, so I, I think selling yourself, because that's what you're doing at the end of the day. If you're looking for a remote job, you are selling yourself, your skill set, your personality to, you know, work at Buffer, Shopify, Hotjar, wherever, you know what I mean? That, it, you know, that... Absolutely. And if, if I can add something to that, this is like rather a long-term strategy, um, but it will help you not only to, to get the dream remote job, but just will help you with your professional career in general, like building your personal brand and building your expertise but with like an o- online presence expertise is is also a way to go like you're an amazing example you're besides your full-time job you have a passion to um to run podcasts and to talk with um with other folks and an experience to talk about their their point of view and this is this is a an, exactly what can help you to to achieve this 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 goal because you're you're doing something you're, you're going the extra mile you're 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 showing that you're self-driven um you have something else that that you're that you're cooking besides the the nine to five um um tasks right um this is just an example i'm not saying that everyone should start doing podcasts um but but that shows that the the potential employer that 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 you're different that 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 you're you're basically um person worth uh, chatting with of of course i mean i just i recorded an episode earlier on with um Daniel and you know he does a lot he's a million dollar freelancer on uh, Upwork you know he's done a million dollars in sales via Upwork um, and or as a freelancer sorry not all on Upwork but you know he, he talked about how having a blog was one of the key differentiators between him and everybody when he started and he just had like quick little tips little short articles but that's what made him stand out when pitching for work yes it doesn't have to be a podcast it doesn't have to be YouTube videos but even a simple website, you know, that it's like, look, I keep a website, I keep it up to date. You know, that makes you stand out, you, you know, compared to other people. It's like, oh, this person has skin yeah. in the game. Yeah. You know, they're learning all these skills and they're, they're willing to put themselves out there. I mean, it doesn't even have to be your own website. I interviewed a girl called Eva and she's a freelance writer and she just uses uh, answering questions on Quora and using Medium. And like those are her two. So she's like, I don't worry about my own website. Um, but she's got like millions of views on Medium and Quora. And she's like, I know how to write. Here's my stats from these websites. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm interested. <laughs> you know, <laughs> changes the conversation then, doesn't it? You know, <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's that's the proof that you can execute. This is what 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 um, what remote work requires. You need to be able to execute. You need to focus on the outcome. It's not just being at work. It's it's producing, right? Yeah. What has helped you, you know, personally, uh, you know, you and your team to grow remote? How? What have been the strategies? Was the social media? Is it SEO? Is it, you know, podcasting, YouTube? What has helped you to grow the business to where it is now? couple of aspects so um first of all talking with smarter people um in the beginning it was just uh, my wife and i and i was approaching people on linkedin and uh, just starting conversations about remote work um right from the beginning when we realized that there is a challenge with the mindset and lack of knowledge um on the market among decision makers we decided to 
to to run the Remote Future Summit. So there was a lot of um, stuff that helped us grow the brand from the beginning by speaking to potential um, subject matter experts, um, to basically speakers of the summit, right? And here the platform that we used was LinkedIn. And then we are, what, uh, one and a half year later. Um, and I have like over 8,000 very engaged community, a lot of uh, partnerships that we built, clients that we acquired came from LinkedIn. But from the fact that we um, not only build these relationships, um, but also deliver the value. So we are experimenting with a lot of um, new stuff. We recently been given by LinkedIn um, access to the beat for their LinkedIn Live. Um, that's very, that's very um, converting. Very, very good. We're doing a lot of. I seen today. I seen today actually that they are now offering voice messaging to first connections as well. So you, you can send little audio snippets. I only learned this today and maybe it's been around for a while, but that's pretty slick. You know what I mean? I was reading this. It was a Mailshake, which is a tool I use for cold email outreach for SEO campaigns and their blog, which is a very good blog, uh, mailshake.com. I'm sure forward slash blog or something, but <laughs> it's a cold email outreach tool. And you know they're talking about, they often do strategies on cold outreach, you know, really similar to what you're talking about here. You had this idea, you wanted to get in front of companies. It was cold outreach. They didn't know who you were. So it becomes a sales process, outreach, follow up. And yeah, so you can do that. And now you're saying that there'll be LinkedIn lives as well, which I'm sure will be huge for events. If you think about that from an event standpoint, like, you know, you know any events that are happening, I, doing LinkedIn lives would be huge for that because it's, it's a B2B platform primarily, you know. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. And um, as we already had two editions of the summit and the last summit, we we... we we ex- experimented with some live sessions. We um, we didn't use LinkedIn at that time. We used uh, YouTube Live with Slido, so people can also like interact with each other, ask questions, and then upvote them, uh, which is also a very um, very good tool for events, not only online ones but also offline ones, but where people are shy to ask, so they just and or or upvote others. Um, so. Coming back to, um, to to your initial question, definitely uh, building relationships, but smart way. So not just doing cold mass outreach to whoever, and then let's see if they will respond, but really personalize um, outreach. It sounds obvious, but really it worked also in um, in our case. Other aspect then then we were able to implement is co-marketing. Um, so out of nothing, after a um, couple of months building credibility, building relationships, uh, we ended up on blog of Asana, blog of Dribble. We were in newsletters of like Twist, and uh, we were invited to different industry events like the Next Web, etc. So that also helped us a lot to grow the um, the traffic from uh, from from partners. So I strongly encourage you to think how you can deliver the value to communities of your of your um, potential partners don't focus on your on your product and then the synergy synergy will 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 come um yeah so um I would say that just like in general, building relationships through different um, platforms uh, with having in mind that you should always try to speak with people that will challenge you. So don't be afraid of, of, of being challenged. Uh, this is what, uh, what helped Remote How. 
what what was also really um, helpful for us, but this is like an ongoing thing. When we were um, starting co-marketing, co-marketing partnerships um, around, for example, guest blog posts, this is what uh, what helped us build um, build up um, backlinks, um, obviously, and and continuously uh, grow grow the, the organic traffic. Then, um, regarding also the um, the, the the SEO. Um, part we've been um, featured by several publications around remote work. Like for example, we are uh, monitoring everyday Harrow. Um, just a couple of uh, weeks ago, we've been featured by uh, American Express blog. For example, there are certain ways if you have the um, the brand and the credibility to be an expert on something um, to build up your um, your exposure and then benefit from that in the in the long term it's brilliant harrow is a brilliant uh, publication for those listening maybe who don't know it's a helper reporter out and you sign up and it's basically you know if there's reporters journalists for all these different newspapers across the world or online publications and they want you know like you're saying they want they have a story they want to feature an expert about remote work or maybe they want to feature a, an e-commerce expert or a freelance writer or you know, maybe you're a travel blogger or something like it's, yeah, uh, you essentially would pitch to them um, based on the story that they're looking to fill. Isn't that how it works? Like they have like, oh, we're wanna do, we want to do a feature on remote work. We're looking for some people. You can kind of like be like, hey, I run Remote How. We run this conference, Remote Future. Um, you know, yeah, I'm a perfect candidate. Come ask me some questions. Exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> You just need to be very fast. <laughs> yeah, true, because these these people have, you know, they're journalists, it's publications. I was only reading, a, oh, there was an article by a girl on LinkedIn, I can't remember her name now, but she was, you know, talking about doing SEO outreach and getting links from like Daily Mail and Sun.co.uk, all these big, huge, like online publications. And she was saying how, how she went about it. I think it was using BuzzStream or yeah, BuzzStream, I think it is, like it's the outreach tool, but it was, it was all about, like she explained in her post about, these people have a deadline. They have to publish six to eight articles per day, minimum. You know what I mean? Like that is their job. So it is your job, if you are trying to get featured, to put it on their plate, hand it to them on a silver platter. They even now have, you know, requirements that every or certain posts have to have a video embedded in it as well. So there was one example that sticks out and it was like land a job, land a dream job, test and spas or spas. Uh, infinity pools or something it was this big campaign probably similar to what you did with the work one month in bali and we'll pay it for you like you will get that on the daily mail on all these different websites you know because you're doing something extremely unique and and she did it all around she gave them a video was all using like stock footage off i don't know wherever you buy stock footage.com <laughs> and you know just like made this simple little one minute video of like you know, girls running their fingers through the pool and the sun reflecting off the water and all this sort of jazz. And they got published in all these huge publications, you know, and built links for their client. And it was a spa company who sold spas and infinity pools. Like, you know, it was, it was clever, you know, and, but it was a lot about what we're talking about here, isn't it? You know? 
Yes, yes, exactly. And um, actually, I should have mentioned this myself, but um, video content, huge and is also huge for us. So we are not only using this like for as, as our product, as Remote Health Academy um, is mainly around the video content, but also we have some like assessments, checklists, whatever, but also for our marketing purposes. So having the write video content both on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook is 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 extremely crucial when it comes to your um, your content marketing um, strategy um, that can be also helpful when it comes to establishing co-marketing um, partnerships um, doing uh, co-branded webinars Q&As so yeah video is, um, is huge you can simply start with doing videos on your own LinkedIn. Um, so you don't need to come up with anything um, fancy. Then you can take it to the next level and start inviting guests and the list goes on and on. So yeah, that was uh, also a very um, significant um, aspect of, uh, of our growth. Yeah, and lots of people are afraid to put themselves on oh, camera. Um, I don't do. I don't do it very often. I should have this. Like people keep saying, it's "Like why don't you have videos?" I'm like, I hate those videos where it's like two screen recordings of people talking to each other. Like I don't watch them, <laughs> but like just because I don't like it doesn't mean other people wouldn't watch it, you know. But then again, if I'm watching like I don't know some technical SEO audit, which is a sort of jazz that you know gets me excited sometimes like i'll uh i'll sit there and watch it you know what i mean i'll watch the guy with his screen exactly. or the girl or whoever it is or two people talking about it or 10 people talking about it so i guess it's just about creating you know you know even with regards to recording a podcast i mean you're missing out on an entire medium you know in terms of like if it was on video you could make little videos out of it push it out there instagram youtube everybody loves that stuff you know totally. so, um so look, when it comes when it comes to mentors, uh, you know, and coaches and coaching and things like that, have you? I mean, you know, have you had a mentor along the way, or have you, you know, done a specific course that you feel helped you an awful lot? So I think my first mentor was my dad <laughs> since the beginning. When it comes to like the business, um, how to run a business, um, but then moving forward, I also always try to um, connect with people that are way more experienced than I am and listen to them, work with them and um, not make mistakes as they did in, in the past. Of course, I failed and I made a lot of mistakes, um, but basically to learn um, learn from, from their experience. And of course, I had, uh, I had a couple of mentors. Um, also, when we started uh, Remote How, it was one of my main key aspects is I was not in the re I was not w well known in remote workspace although I was working remotely myself so I, I needed to learn a lot um, also um, when it comes to running a um, distributed startup or startup in general um, there were there were several people all over the world that um, sometimes I even never met in person where we shared the same vision of the world we shared the same values and they were just helping um, without any financial incentive of course then later on if you uh, ask them to 
spend more and more time for you then of course um and and then they see that you're you're um you're benefiting from this so your business grows etc then of course it, it needs to be fair but in the beginning if if you can find a mentor that will um invest in you let's say 20 minutes every month 20 minutes every two weeks just to um catch up discuss certain things those people are on linkedin and those people are practitioners those people are um willing to help um and then we are <laughs> again coming back to the linkedin personalized outreach that um that you can do um do yourself so i've never taken any like mentor course maybe because I always um, preferred to uh, be challenged and convince people to help me. It was like a fun game <laughs> um, that um, that basically um, p- puts me uh, in in a float state. And then after I convince someone to to do something together, then I'm like plus one on on energy. I'm a weirdo, so um, not everyone needs to uh, needs to do that. Um, but certainly having smarter people around you is one of the keys to to success and doesn't matter if it's a business wise or just life uh life in general so whatever works for um for you um definitely i would um i would look for uh for such support that's that's brilliant and look it's i mean like you're saying you don't have to do specific courses or anything like it's it's about finding the people that can help you where you are at that time and you know with the with the help that you need at, at that given time so you know you've definitely been a huge advocate for using linkedin um, not too many of our previous guests have discussed linkedin i'm on linkedin you know pretty much every single day myself personally i think it's a hugely undervalued network especially for putting out like you're talking about video content because so few people are doing it so if you are in the space of you know b2b or even trying to sell your services yeah, LinkedIn isn't to be ignored. I, I don't think at this point. Um, so, look, I, I really appreciate you coming on for today's episode. We've just kind of coming to the time now. So, if people were looking to find you, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Oh, of course, LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll make sure to link to everything in the show notes. It's I W O S Z A P A R. So, um, can you say your name? Because I can't pr- pronounce it. Ivo <laughs> Shapar. Yeah, I, I thought I'd butchered if I said it. So. <laughs> Uh, look, and I'll make sure to link up to all the resources, um, you know, including the Remote Academy, the Remote Future Conference. And you also have a thing called a Global Work From Day, which I thought was quite interesting, or Global Work From Home Day, which is, uh, you, you know, quite an interesting concept. But once again, brilliant thing around. You've created a brand with a unique vision, and these are all different ways that they're all aligned, you know. So they're just different strategies to grow the brand, get your name out there, get the business out there and, and get that media attention, you know. Know, at, the, at the end of the day which helps to grow as well so yes and at the end of the day if you're doing something that you not only strongly believe in that gives you passion but also helps others slash 
healthy planet. <laughs> so in our case, those are all all four because remote work also um, has um, like the growth of remote work has a positive impact on on the environment and and hopefully will also help um, to combat the, the the climate crisis. Yes, then then you are uh, that, that that's a that's a spot on. So this may be like a one last um, message to uh, to everyone that if you can, I know it sounds cheesy, but uh, I I do believe believe in um, asking yourself a question, what you should do, and then start doing this. But it, it really works. <laughs> Absolutely. Look, thank you. And thank you to all the listeners who tuned in. Um, make sure to leave us a review on iTunes and follow on Spotify. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. Head over to the website to access the resources and links mentioned in today's episode at digitalnomadcafe.com.